Hi, this is Kalia. And this is Chris. And this is It's, it's a, a Queer, queer thing. thing. On this show, we focus on politics, civil rights, news, and entertainment. And on this show, we have special guests and interviews focusing on issues relevant to the LGBTQ plus community. So let's get to it. All right, everybody, welcome to It's a Queer Thing with Chris Jarvis and Kalia Metcalf. Kalia, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Happy Cinco de Mayo, my friend. Oh, Cinco de Mayo. What are we supposed to do on Cinco? We're supposed to drink, right? I ate enchiladas, and there might be a margarita in my future at some margaritas, point. Margaritas, so. which means tequila. I'm just going to cut out the sugar and the, and the, and the salt. I'm just going to go right for the tequila. Sounds good. Everybody can celebrate in their own way. <laughs> That's my way. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have such a fun show today. I'm very excited. You want to tell the people what our awesome interview subjects are this time yeah, around? Yeah. Today, we're going to talk to Paige Wilson, who is the illustrator for My Cat Fred Wears a Skirt. And we're going to talk to Bobby Joe Mendez about the Take Me Out to the Ball Game event that's happening on June 16th. And we're going to talk to Robin Johnston McGee, who went to Florida to participate in the student walkout and talk about all this going on in Florida. Yes, exactly. And then at the end of the show, stick around because we've got our Chris's What to Watch and Kaylee's What to Read little segment. And then we're going to give you some information about what's coming up in two weeks on our next show. So a lot of stuff going on right now. But let's just jump right into our first interview with Paige Wilson. As you might remember in our last show, we talked to the authors Katrina Gidstrit and Emily H.R. Gidstrit, and they wrote My Cat Fred Wears a Skirt, published by Mascot Kids. It's a beautiful, wonderful little book about a cat who finds acceptance and joy in being his little authentic self. And here is our interview with illustrator Paige Wilson. So tell us who you are and how you got involved in this book. Well, Katrina is my mom's best friend. So we've known each other quite a while. She knows I'm an artist and she, when she wrote the book, she decided to reach out to me and I'm really glad she did because this was an awesome thing to work on, I think. Can I ask you if you're queer? I am, yes. Okay, so, so is when they decided, Katrina said, let's get involved with this book, and she told you the topic, what were your thoughts? I was really excited. I was kind of, when she came to me at first, she wanted to, she wanted me to illustrate a book, and I kind of thought it would just be like, whatever, but it was actually about a topic I was very passionate about. It's, this is a topic that means a lot to me. And so I was really excited. I'm like, oh, cool. This is like right up my alley. This is going to be really fun to illustrate, you know? That's awesome. So you're a college student. Are you and you're studying art? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm majoring in art. That's kind of the direction I want to go. Um, I think after illustrating for this book, I think that's kind of what I want to do more is book illustrations. So let me ask you, Paige, because... These drawings are really detailed and professional. What did what did what have you done before this? How did you use your uh, your artistic ability as far as drawing and graphic art? Before this, I kind of specialize in like animal art and stuff like that, and so I work on art commissions. That's kind of how I've been making money for years prior to this. That's kind of like my expertise before I got into this 
book design. So I've kind of had experience with like drawing colors and stuff like that. What's the medium you use to draw to do these pictures? Procreate for the iPad. So it's digital? Yeah, it's all digital work all on my iPad. Okay. Yes. Okay, cool. That's really, really cool. We read your blurb in the back of the book and you've been making art your whole life. What are some of your favorite art things that you've done besides besides this book? For me, the funnest part about art is just drawing whatever I want, you know? I think that's what makes art so fun for me is I could draw whatever I want, whenever I want. And so I have a lot of fun creating like character designs and bringing these character designs to life and stuff. And I also really enjoy working on pet portraits. That's also a really fun part of the hobby for me. When you talk about that that artistic freedom, how much did the author say, okay, on this page, we want to have a picture that does this? Did they give you like specific guidelines or they were like, here's the story, you tell us what pictures you want and where they're going to go and and, and whose idea was it to put the cat walking with his little tiny shadow with the with the little storm cloud? I swear, that's my favorite. It's so sad and so cute. So tell us about the process of actually putting the pictures with the words. Katrina and Emmy gave me basically full control over that. They gave me, they approached me with a little sketch in the beginning. And they said, this is kind of the design that we, the direction we want to go. And so I built off of that basically just gave me free control over everything. Cause they're like, we've never made a book before. We don't know what the process is. We don't know what to do. So here, here, here's the script and you can do what you want, you know? So yeah, it was basically, yeah, it was my idea with to draw Fred with the little <laughs> thunderstorm <laughs> over his head. Yeah, Kalia loves that image. That's I really nice. I do, I do. My favorite image is after he puts the skirt back on Fred and Fred is like, oh my God, my skirt's back on. And just, you can just see how happy the cat is. Tell us about how you guys discussed, since this is obviously a transgender story aimed at children, how you discussed how it might affect the public or how, what the reaction might be. Honestly, there wasn't a lot of discussion regarding that. Our main priority was kind of getting the book done and there was a lot of back and forth with Katrina wanted it to be as perfect as possible she really wanted it to look good that was kind of like I'd say one of her main priorities was she wanted it to look good and then once the book started coming out and we started seeing the attention it was getting then we're like oh this is something like it's something that we considered ourselves but we didn't actually talk to each other about it and then we're like, okay, this is, I see what's happening, you know? So I think that's great. So you guys didn't, you didn't come into it saying, oh, this is going to cause a big old controversy. You basically did the book you wanted to do and told the story you wanted to tell. And then afterwards you saw the controversy start to happen. Yeah, it was definitely more of a passion project in the beginning. And then once we were on the news and we saw all the controversy, then we're like, this is something we didn't really consider, <laughs> you know, or think yeah. of a lot, you know? Wow. I mean, as an artist who's, you know, making a career as being an artist, does this give you like a lot of street cred that you've already illustrated a, a book while you're still in college? Or I mean, ha has there been a response from your peers and other artists? I know that the book company has offered to put me on a list for recommended artists, which is really cool. Yeah. 
Right now, I'm kind of in limbo, I guess. I'm I'm waiting for someone to get back to me, hopefully, to work on another project because this is really cool, I think. I think that this is what I want to do in the future, you know, work on books. And so hopefully that this project has given me some street credit, you know. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah, for sure. Have you found any trans people and trans students reaching out to you or trans people in your life saying this is a great book or, or, or just straight parents who say, I want to read this to my children? And Yeah, we're getting a lot of, I think, responses from like teachers saying we want to read this to our kids and we want to start this conversation, you know. I know that I have a family member who's trans who their family was really, really supportive of the book and really wanted like an early copy. And they're like, we're so happy for you. This is also an issue that our family is really passionate about. No one's really come up to me, I guess, because I'm kind of just the illustrator maybe. (laughs) But from the response I've seen, it's been a lot of people have been really interested, wanting to start that conversation, you know. That's awesome. I don't have any other questions, Chris, do you? I don't. Do you have anything you want to tell us? I guess before I go, I just wanted to say that Katrina and Emmy was so happy to be on here with you guys last week. They were telling me all about it last night. They said, you guys are awesome, and you really are. So thank you for having us. This was an awesome opportunity. Well, we're lucky. We're very grateful to them. They were great. I'm so glad that they, they were able to come, and I'm so glad that we were able to talk to you like this. This is wonderful. Yeah. So Paige, really thank you for coming on. We, Kaylee and I both feel this is an important book for parents and children and particularly trans kids so they can have something because it feels very mainstream, even though it's obviously about trans kids. So I think that's important, not just that maybe trans kids read this, but all kids read this so they can learn how to accept each other. Absolutely. That's the goal. And is there a uh, any kind of social media handles or anything you want to promote or, or you, you have your business? Is, do, do you have an Instagram for that? I could be reached at on my Instagram, which is lambchoprasbora. You want to spell that for us so we don't we don't get it wrong? Yeah, it's L-A-M-B-C-H-O-P-R-A-S-B-O-R-A. Okay, cool. And that's and that's Instagram? Yes. It's my favorite fish. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> so we'll post it in the show notes so people can reach out to you. Awesome. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. Thank you. You take care of yourself. You too. Okay. So that was great. You know what I found really interesting? And this is just me because I don't know. I asked Paige, um, what medium did you use to illustrate this? And she said, digital. Do you know what that means? Oh, yeah. Well, and she actually talked about the program. And I got to tell you, I'm not a digital art person. So I knew when she said the name of the program that, that that's what it was, digital. But it is. It's all like with the stylus on the computers. It's it's very interesting. I've seen some really interesting TikTok videos. So you actually have to draw it. You have to use a stylus against a screen yeah, and draw it. Right. Okay, and, then right. You, and then you can do colors and shading and stuff. It's like its own art form. It's very, it's very cool. What I think is really fun is that they actually produced a cat and we saw it when we were at the book signing it's a stuffed cat and it looks just like her drawing and i thought that is so cool to be an artist who gets to draw something and then somebody makes a three-dimensional huggable version of this cat and so how do they do that do you know i have no idea that is a question we should have asked we should have asked i did ask if they were selling the cats when we were at the at the book signing and she said no they had one yeah (laughs) because i wanted to buy one 
if they sold a million books, then they would talk about being able to uh, to make the cat with its cute little pink skirt. And I was like, okay. Yeah, well. they probably have somebody who made like three or five of them and that was all they had. Yeah, Seriously, but I, I wanted I wonder. to buy one. Yeah, right. I guess you could like go to build a bear and just be very specific. No, I want to <laughs> I want to build a cat. I don't know. Build, if a, build a cat with a skirt. Yeah, exactly. So that was really fun. But the show must go on. So, Chris, who do we have next? Next, we have Bobby Joe Mendez. And Bobby Joe has a uh, event coming up called Take Me Out to the Ball Game on Friday, June 16th where she is getting a bus together and taking people down to a pride night. And I'm not a sports person, people, but it's in L.A. and it's the Giants versus the <laughs> Dodgers. And I know it's, I, I guess, baseball is that small ball with the little white ball. So I know which one it is. Anyway, let's hear what Bobby Joe has to say about this event. Okay, so we are here with Bobby Joe Mendez of Need the Bucks Enterprises. Bobby, you want to tell us about yourself and what your nonprofit is? Okay, so my name, again, is Bobby Joe Mendez. I'm not in Fresno. I'm in Hanford, but I like to think that between Hanford and Bakersfield and Fresno, we're just kind of one big central valley, and our community really needs, you know, some time to get together. Thus, Need the Bucks Enterprises comes into play. It's been around since 1978. It was put together as a very inexpensive way to have a party. And it has changed through the years. Recent, Most recently, it has taken on a fundraising sort of aspect. We do destination things. Uh, we do events. And usually they're linked to either raising money for, say, like the AIDS Walk. We do have an AIDS Walk team, nine years running. And just about anything that we can think of that we can raise money for. So the, the whole idea is through our business, we make absolutely no profit. At the end of the day, we want to have a goose egg, no money. Unfortunately, that tends to work against us sometimes, and we've yeah, yeah. probably dumped thousands in over the years. But we do it for fun. We do it to meet community. We do it to meet people and friends. And we do it to try to give the cheapest trip excursion that you could possibly get for a dollar. In other words, we try to stretch it to the best of our ability. Thus, the name Need the Bucks Enterprise. <laughs> Wait, so tell us um, some of the fundraising that you guys have done, organizations that you've supported. Well, again, we do have an AIDS Walk team, again, nine years running plus, I believe. And I like to brag that over those years, we have raised somewhere around $25,000, not just for them, but for other organizations. We've run pro football trips for high schools to raise funds for the football team. But pretty much over the years, that, that's what it has turned into is trying to supplement fundraising. We do sock drives. We collect pool tabs. I mean, and we exchange those for opportunity tickets for a bevy of prizes that we usually give away on our trips. Opportunity tickets. I, li I like that. That's kind of where the, the uh, fundraising end comes from, because generally speaking, we're not making money on the tickets. We're not making money on the event. So everything is geared towards making money on 
the opportunity prizes we give away. So full disclosure, Bobby and Kalia and I were all board members at Gay Central Valley years ago, and we used to do bus trips to San Francisco Pride. So I have a little idea how this works. Now, the one thing I don't know how this how it works is sports for the most part and baseball in particular, although I do like my balls and my sticks. But Bobby, <laughs> tell me where this bus ride is going to and what the event is. Okay, so this is the current one coming up. Friday, June 16th, Dodgers and Giants will be having their Pride Night. So Dodgers and Giants have a long rivalry history. Now, I'm not a big baseball fan. I can watch a game, and that's kind of fun. But I'm neither a Dodgers nor a Giants fan, so to me, it's just watching a game. But the fun part of it is the camaraderie of the trip over. The fun we have on the trip, on, on the way over with the prizes and everything. And then once we get to the game, we're all in a big area, and we're right along first baseline. And, oh, no. I mean, we're nose, but we're right along first baseline. And I have a photo of the field right at our section, and it's not a bad view at all. And it's going to be in the shade once the sun goes down. It's a 7.30 game, so the sun's not going to be out for long. But anyway, that, that's a trip we have coming up, Dodgers-Giants at Dodgers Stadium. This is a community event, again, at cost. And I know some people balk at the price and $110 per person, and you must be 21 and older. I know people think that's a lot of money, and I do too. I, I have trouble with, with the cost of some of these. But I guarantee you that this is, at, this is the cost of, the bus divided by 50 and the cost of a ticket. There is no added price on, added onto this at all. So with this trip, our price is a little bit slimmer, but we do have some good ones. One of them is a official Rawlings baseball that has LA Dodgers and the Giants logos on it. So it's a commemorative ball, comes in an acrylic box. Yeah, so that's gonna be our grand prize. Anybody who enters the bus, you got your ticket you're entered in to win. The other ones, we have some chances to win some opportunity prizes. And again, all the money that, that we raise, and more than likely this one will as well, all the money will go to our AIDS walk team because it's a long stretch between then and it's hard to raise the cash. So this, this is a fundraiser for the Fresno AIDS walk? The money that we get from the prizes will go to the AIDS walk team. Okay. So this event, it's a baseball game in LA, but obviously you're, you know, you're on a bus and I saw on the flyer that there's a couple of different locations. So how do people get on the bus and where do they get on the bus? Okay. So our pickup locations, we have three spots that we have set aside. One is through our charter company. That's Golden Eagle Charter in Fresno. I think it's on Los Alamos and they have secured parking. It's fenced in you drive in there, your car's safe. We have that spot. We also have Wyndham and Visalia, the south side parking lot area. There's an entrance to the building there, but you can park anywhere over there and the bus will come through there and pick up at the designated time. I think Visalia, I want to say it's 2.30. 2 p.m. is what it says. Thank you. <laughs> and, and then Bakersfield, the right? location will be at the Costco in Bakersfield on Rosedale Highway, and we have permission to have cars, vehicles parked by the gas station parking lot. 
And that's a 345, it looks like. Yeah, so as you drive into the parking lot, there's a gas station back to the right, and there's parking spaces all through there. It's well lit, and so vehicles will be safe there during the day. So those are our three locations for pickup. I just want to say to everyone that Bobby's absolutely right, is that these bus trips, it's not an overcharge, even if you think 110 is too much. Think about what you'd pay for gas to drive there and drive back. You're at probably 80 bucks right there. You get to not have to drive and you get to be there. Now, Bobby, the show starts or the game. See, let's listen to me, the gay guy. The show <laughs> starts at 730. The game starts at 730. Yes. And then, so what time do people expect to get back to Fresno or Bakersfield or Visalia? Generally speaking, you know, with traffic and everything, we usually have them back Fresno by about 145. Okay. Uh, maybe two o'clock, depending on traffic. It's it's always tough for the bus, but we have some excellent bus drivers at Golden Eagle, so they do a great job. Cool, cool. So a- as far as anybody who would be interested in going and wants to purchase tickets, uh, we do have a social media page, the Need the Bucks Enterprises page. Look around, it says Need the Bucks Enterprises, and you'll see two begging dogs next to a bag of money. (laughs) (laughs) And right now they're both sporting, one sporting a Dodgers hat, the other one's sporting a Giants hat. So you go to that page and you can find the link to our event page. Are you worried um, that it's going to sell out? Should people be like super on the ball getting these tickets? Or is it a thing where like there's going to be a few closer to the actual event date? Well, we're hoping to sell out. So, I mean, if we can sell out, that's great. I mean, the price is what it is. But we do, for people that we we have worked with before, we will take an installment thing. Do you really? Do do that. We have done it in the past. Uh, There are people who have traveled with us for years. Let me ask you just the last question about this event. Sure. It's Pride Night at Dodger Stadium. What does that entail at the event? Uh, besides the baseball game, obviously, what do they do for Pride Night? Okay, so everybody that goes receives a Pride t-shirt, Dodger Blue, with rainbow Dodger across, I think, I want to say it's number 21. And so you get you get a t-shirt just for going. I'm sorry for Giants fans. I wish I could figure out a way to work something out with that. But, you know, it is what it is. You get to watch the game. And then when the game's over, they're going to... Now, this is a switch. They used to do fireworks. They've eliminated the fireworks, which is kind of a good environmental thing. And they do a drone light show, which I don't know if anybody's seen one on the internet. But if you can, in fact, I'm going to post one on our event page. It's not going to be the one they do. But it'll be, they're always interesting and you have music, so it'll be fun. Is there anybody like an LGBT person singing the national anthem or anything like that? That I have not seen as far, but they usually do something of that nature. Okay. So they, right. this is working with LA Pride this year. So, you know, they probably, they're working in conjunction, so... I'm sure they have something. Is this their first Pride Night at the at the ball game? Their second, third? What what number is this? Do we know? Oh no, they've been doing these for a number of years. I'm not okay. sure what number it is. Is that what the 21 is? That's 21 plus. That's the age. 
Oh, I thought that. I'm sorry, I misunderstood. I thought that there was a 21 on the on the shirt. Okay. 23 is what I see on the, oh, on the 23? flyer. Okay. okay. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that must be the year because it's that must 2023. Be the year. That's why years of pride. 21 got me confused. So yeah, there we go. A, well, I, I agree with you. <laughs> and who knows? I mean, you may if you buy a ticket on this bus, maybe you get a pass to go into the locker room, people. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. It's possible. I'm not saying that'll happen, but Roof it's shower. possible. All right. All right. All God. right, Bobby. So, uh, Kaylee, you got anything else? No, man, you stole my question. So we're good. Uh, oh, the locker room, <laughs> the shower. Okay. No. <laughs> so anyway, as far as, as far as buying tickets, you can message us through our event page or just post. I want to go contact me personally. Uh, if you know me or you have, have me through messenger. Yeah, we can we can tell you we can reassure you that Bobby and Yolanda have done bus trips to San Francisco Pride, to Black Oak Casino, to Bakersfield, to the ball game. So they know what they're doing. So thank you, Bobby, for being with us. We will post the links on our uh, show. This is going to come out on May fifth. And uh, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. You know, as we were recording that and listening to it now, I can't help but think. You, neither one of us knows a whole lot about sports. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So that was fun. But I know that most sports teams have mascots. Do you know what either of the mascots are? Because like, aren't they normally animals or Oh my or God, putting things? me on the spot and you know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know either. I just thought of it while we were listening to you Bobby. Know, like, what what is the giant mascot? My husband is super into sports. Well, I'm not super into sports, but he's into sports. So anytime, and he's not home right now, or I would ask him. <laughs> but let me see if I can find out. Now, are we looking for the mascot for the Dodgers? Here, you look the... up the Giants. I'll look up the Dodgers. Okay, Dodgers Giants. This, God, we sound so lame doing this. Okay, Mask Oh, the mascot for the Giants is Lou Seal. Oh, my God. Lou, L-O-U, and then Seal, S-E-A-L. It's a seal. Oh my God. It's one of the friendliest looking mascots I've ever seen. Now, some some mascots, I will say this, when we watch sport, when I watch sports with my husband, he'll flip back and forth. And some of the mascots scare the shit out of me. <laughs> so, but this one's one of the most friendliest ones I've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> the Dodgers apparently have never had a mascot, which is their what? official mascot. I don't know. That's what Google says. I'm so confused. Oh my God, but then you're right. There's a picture of these like people, like children. Oh, the guy with the big head, yeah. Huge head. And apparently their names are Brooklyn and Bricks, and they're available to make appearances. They look scary. I would be afraid yeah, of see, these the, things. The mascots with the big heads are the ones that scare me because just so you all know, when I was a kid, there was a show called Night Stalker. Kolchak. Yeah, Kolchak. Yeah. And there was an episode with the mannequins where the mannequins came alive. And it, mannequins have scared me ever since. And there was also a movie. I can't remember the movie. It was a movie. It was a French movie. Oh, I was going to say, was it, it was, mannequin? <laughs> it was a mannequins, but it was a French movie. Oh, you mean the mannequin with Andrew <laughs> McCarthy? No, that one scared me for many other different reasons. Um, but it was uh, in, she had this fantasy and in the fantasy, she danced with these characters that had these huge oversized heads. So I've always been scared by those. You know, things. I am an anti-doll person. I find dolls inherently creepy. I'm very glad my daughter yeah. is not super into dolls. So yeah. She doesn't no. do any dolls at all? I mean, she has some Barbies, but. Oh, Barbies aren't scary. They're not scary. No, she was actually gifted a little doll at one point when she was a baby and I immediately donated it because it didn't have a mouth. <laughs> 
it just it it had oh. eyes that were like closed and then a nose and like no mouth and i was like i'm not giving my daughter a doll with no mouth i don't just know no there's an episode of the simpsons where they go to the hello kitty factory and if you know the hello kitty there's no real mouth on a hello kitty mm -hmm. and they show the steam going through the hello kitty factory like they're creating something and the kitty just <laughs> and so <laughs> Whenever James talks about cats or anything, I just say, hello, Kitty. Mm, I can't really talk. <laughs> there you go. Well, anyways, I'm sure that sportsy people who like baseball, who are probably. Ooh, sportsy people. Kaylee, you're giving us away. <laughs> they're probably yelling at their, their radios right now or rolling yeah, their eyes. Um, That's fine. Your podcast player, maybe not their radio. It's all kinds. Anyways, I'm sure that they would have a great time at this baseball game in LA. So if you're interested, like we said in the segment, you can find Need the Bucks Enterprises on Facebook and reach out to Bobby Joe and she will hook you up with tickets. So absolutely. Okay, our next segment, <laughs> we're going to shift gears a little bit here. We talked to Robin Johnston McGee about the big walkout that happened in Florida last month. So this is kind of old news, but it's important news. And so we want to definitely devote some time in today's episode talking to Robin about, well, basically what it was and why it was and how it went beyond just a bunch of students walking out. There's some other elements to it that I found really fascinating that wasn't always covered on the on the media coverage. So let's listen to Robin. Here we go. My name is Robin McGee, and I believe I was invited to speak about the actions that took place in Florida last week against DeSantis, as well as the GOP fascism that's taking place in the state in reference to youth, as well as, you know, queer families in general in the state. So tell us, it, it, this was a student walkout that was happening in Florida, right? And this was in protest to the don't say gay stuff and the anti-education stuff that DeSantis is promoting. Is that what the event was all about? Exactly, exactly. So after my activism with the National Equality March, uh, there was a gentleman that reached out and asked about uh, setting up next steps after the National Equality March, and that led to Get Equal. Jonathan Lewis is his name, and he's connected to the progressive family, progressive insurance, and uh, he is a benefactor of that you know, corporation or that entity. And what he does with his funding or his wealth is he gives it to causes that he believes in and queer equality and fighting for the rights of LGBT people has been, you know, his primary focus along with a lot of other things that he donates his money to. So he sponsored Get Equal and helped us in the very beginning with all of the things that we did. And once I went back to college and Get Equal began to disband, we have stayed in touch just because we love the LGBT politics element. And recently his person that he kind of handles his outreach and does a lot of his organizing for him is Paul Yandura. And Paul was connected to the Democratic Party, but got tired of all of the fake promises and not following through on things and using us as a scapegoat of funding, but not really producing things other than DOMA and Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And Paul's role was asking me if I would be willing to work with this young person who was setting up a youth movement that was beginning to fight back against DeSantis's Don't Say Gay. Uh, and the young man is Xander. Uh, you may have seen him on Good Morning America or The View. And what happened to him last 
last year was at the end of his school year, right as DeSantis was making the move in reference to the K through three restrictions on on queer discussions in the classroom. Uh, Xander was named the valedictorian of his high school and was asked not to mention that he was gay in his speech. And you may know the speech as the curly hair speech because what he did is he came out as curly hair um, as a pun to call attention to the fact that he wasn't allowed to out himself because of the don't say gay element. And once that happened, Paul reached out to Xander. Xander and Paul started working on what types of things could he and would he be interested in organizing. And we worked together for almost a year and it culminated with these events that happened last week. And I know that's a long answer to kind of explain <laughs> no, how, that's great. Yeah, how he came into existence with, you know, connected to me. But he is that next rising element of, you know, speaking back and, you know, trying to push the Democratic Party to defend these young people that are being bullied in these conservative states and to stop, you know, the grass fire from taking over across the United States. So tell us about the walkout itself. Was it in one specific district? Was it statewide? How did they get the word out? Was there any, you know, like pushback and what that they weren't going to be able to do it? I know it spread on TikTok, but tell us. Yeah. So um, in July, he started working with organizers from across the state and actually across the nation. There's a student from Berkeley, a student from Cornell, all over the United States that um, were graduates that decided to still stay involved in the fight, even though they had graduated. Xander is actually a student at Harvard, and he took a sabbatical this spring and worked on it all fall to try to start organizing a network of organizers that would adopt a school, try to get an organizer at a local high school to commit to organizing their local school to walk out. And it was a statewide action with over 350 schools on college campuses as well as high school campuses who had the you know preconceived idea that they would all walk out sometime between lunch and the end of the school day and specifically use that time to discuss a banned element of a lesson either from the African-American community that's been targeted or the queer community that's been targeted. And during that time of talking about that lesson, they would encourage organizers to find out if these young people are registered to vote. Because in the state of Florida, you can register at the age of 16 and vote at the age of 18. So the idea is if you can build that groundswell of a youth movement by the year of 2024, when Ron DeSantis is more than likely going to be running as the GOP front runner, if Trump is not taking the firestorm, you're ready in that state to fight back against whatever the rhetoric is from the GOP. And so that's their vision is to first walk out, but then educate. And that led to afternoon rallies um, in five different cities across the state as well. Do you happen to know um, how successful that was with the voter registration campaign? Do we have numbers already yeah, on that? We don't have the numbers of the voter registration. We'll know that by the end of the week. But I know that over the course of the day, they had people registering all on their platform, which is the walkouttolearn.org. And uh, those people were also registering people so that, you know, they technology savvy, you know, young people pull out your smartphone. We're going to drop it to your text if you have airdrop or another type of technology. And they were registering and checking voter registration on that same day. The other thing that they created was a drop menu where you could identify the um, district that you were in and it would actually email your voter registration to your legislator and show them not only are you registered to vote, but these are the issues that you care about. Wow. So you said they can register at 16, but they can't vote till they're 18? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about how the students, uh, and I didn't know colleges were participating in this. I'm more interested in the high school students and how they feel about what's going on in Florida. Are they connected with, first, that this is a repeat of history? Yep. And second, that it could completely change the trajectory of their lives. Are they taking this personally? Oh, absolutely. And are they, are they emotionally damaged by it? No, I, I mean, obviously you do have some that are definitely dealing with the mental health element of not only the rejection potentially of their family, but you know, not all of these schools are very welcoming. So you had students that they may have been one of like five or 10 that were actually walking out that day. And then you had other high schools where the videos were overwhelming, where almost the entire Entire campus was walking out and they were taking over the football stadium. So I, you know, I think that there's going to be a depth just like in any community where some people are right at that element of just coming out and maybe even just accepting themselves all the way to the person that is really seeing the political ramifications and what this means specifically about what their future might look like if they don't fight back now. I mean, they already see how it's affecting them in reference to their education. Most recently, as they were beginning to hit the walkout dates, they started to do a few walkouts in February, moving up to that major walkout that was going to be happening in April. And the firestorm started happening around a drag queen that was going to come to their GSA meeting. And this was even something that was happening after school hours and they had to cancel the meeting. So they know that their freedom is being affected, uh, number one. And number two, uh, some of them are so compelled to act that they're going to school board meetings, they're going to the state capitol. They're not just using the walkout. They're trying to figure out what else can they do to actually be engaged. That's so optimistic. Yeah, I love it so much. Yeah, me too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we saw a county in Florida, and I can't remember the name of the county right now, that had the changed... I keep hearing they canceled their Pride event, but I don't think they canceled it. They changed it to be a 21 and over event. And then they said they were committed to a family-friendly event in the near future. See, my my worry about places like Florida and Texas and some in Tennessee, some of these others, is that the LGBTQ community will kind of fall into line, so to speak, and say, okay, we won't do this anymore, as opposed to that I believe, and I don't know the details of this county and this Pride event. In my mind, it was like, you should have this Pride event and you should be willing to get arrested at this Pride event and do whatever it takes. Because if we just sit down and go, oh, okay, we'll only do drag queens after midnight or whatever it is you want us to do, then I think we lose from the start. Oh, absolutely. It's recloseting people and, you know, creating that dynamic that we are going to be silent. So um, I completely agree with you. So tell me how it felt for you having been so active in the community and seeing, you know, we talked with Lillian Faderman about the pendulum shifting, you know, back and forth and like you take two steps forward and then three steps back or vice versa. So what was it like for you to go and talk to this youth? Does it fill you with optimism? Are you are you feeling good about what's going I mean, obviously not good about what's going on, but like, how, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, definitely optimistic. I mean, this young person is 19 years old and unwilling to be silenced and willing to look at the role that they can play in the political system. And, you know, a lot of, you know, young people are just on their TikTok or their social just, you know, hitting like. And what I love about what C is trying to do is really say that, you know, that's not creating a movement. You have to go beyond, you know, taking that non-tangible action into what the tangible action is going to be. And it gives me hope, you know, 
Um, I was, you know, I went to the Lillian event that the Fresno Stonewall Democrats did. And one of my questions to her was, you know, so what are your thoughts? Is DeSantis the threat that I see him to be? And, you know, her comment was kind of what you said, which is we go in a cyclical pattern of we have wins, we have losses, we have wins, we have losses. But I truly believe that, you know, just like Don't Ask, Don't Tell and Doma created a loss and some in our community saw it as a win, the reality is it still created that causative element of the second class citizen. And that's what's going on right now, specifically in the South, is you do have those people like Chris talked about who just want to play nice and want to be accepted. And what could potentially happen is you have a segregated you know, community, no different than what the lunch counter looked like or what the water fountain looked like, where um, you know these things are accepted at night, but they're not accepted during the day. And that's not the kind of society that I want to live in. So it gives me the hope that these young people see that as the writing on the wall. And hopefully their activism is making the people that might be willing to comply because they're you know com- more comfortable in their lives. They like their neighborhood. They like their job. And they see the fear in pushing back against this agenda. And I hope that what those young people are doing is, you know, showing them they don't need to, you know, listen uh, to what the GOP is trying to tell them. Yeah, I get and to, to go back to Lillian. We did we did the Lillian Faderman event at Fresno State when she mm-hmm. presented her history. And I don't know if she did the same thing at the Fresno Stonewalls, but she presented the history of gay pride over from the 50s right. on up on forward. And so what my first question to her when it was all over was, Lillian, so what you said about the way we conquered all of this hate and prejudice and discrimination in the past was we came out of the closet, we, you know, we uh, became better citizens, we fought back, we spoke up, we did this, we did that. How do you think going forward at this point in time, and it's seeming to go back to this, this rhetoric and this discrimination that started in the 1950s and before, how do we now conquer it? Because we're already out of the closet. We already know we have families. They already know we're getting married. We are, that we're doing all of these things. How do we move forward? And that's the question I have for this movement is, I, I understand what you're saying about getting out and fighting and screaming and like we always have. Mm-hmm. It's, it's curious how we're going to combat this mostly political, gerrymandered right. legislative power that mm-hmm. you know we are up against now when it just seems the politicians are just dis, dis, disconnected from the people and they just want to pass laws against us. Exactly. Well, and I completely agree with you. And I have to look at states like you know what happened in Tennessee the Tennessee three and what happened in Wisconsin uh, with the Supreme Court, their state Supreme Court. I mean, there are wins. I do believe that, uh, yes, we do have an element where the gerrymandering is a real thing. And sadly, you know, it's kind of like Rome is burning and, you know, you have to focus on this over here where everything else is like going to hell in a handbasket as well. And that's really what my frustration is, is because although I vote blue, I believe the Democrats should be such a stronger entity. And there is a lack of organizing, in my opinion, that makes me question why we are continuing to put the same people in office that are not willing to call a spade a spade. Because exactly. They're trying to play nice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know where, where it's going to go, but I truly hope that what we see in Tennessee and Wisconsin and even in Florida, you know, I believe there is a groundswell that is going to be undeniable, hopefully, if people start seeing 
seeing that this is really affecting their real lives. And, you know, right now it's only affecting young people, but, you know, the more that pride, you know, I was in Miami um, is where I went to the rally walking down Ocean Drive right there in Miami, there's four or five restaurants right in the middle of the gay district that, you know, drag queens are there for entertainment and they're, you know, helping with serving dinner. You know, those restaurants could be potentially shut down. Now, um, the problem with that is they probably won't be bullied and shut down, but it's on the books that they could be. If you look at, you know, it's such a vague type of discussing drag and trans that if someone with a draconian action wanted to try that they could actually you know really have a real stance on or maybe those restaurants decide on their own we don't want drag queens in here because we don't want to risk it that's the way it starts to fall exactly 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 and so you know i don't really have that answer and all my hope is that the you know the proof is going to be in the pudding when people start voting and i really was hopeful that uh desantis was going to have a run for his money uh when he ran for re-election because he had already started that rhetoric but sadly he won. And, you know, if you ask Floridians why he won, it's because there wasn't a good dim, you know, alternative. And I feel we're running into that same thing. You know, I love Biden. I'm grateful for what he's done for our country, but I really do believe that we need a stronger candidate. And I don't believe that we're going to see that happen. He is going to announce re-election and DC folks will tell you, you know, you don't have a better option. You better get on board because that's who your candidate is. And sadly, that's the reason that we find ourselves, you know, we're our own worst enemy because we're not forcing the party to actually do something different. So, yeah. And I totally agree with you. I love Biden too, but God, I have my doubts about his candidacy for reelection. And I think, I think you're absolutely right about when I say, what are we going to do moving forward? Politicians are the key. I hate to say that politicians are the key, but politicians, judges, legislators, they are the key. We have to get open-minded people elected so that this stuff doesn't happen. The only reason this is happening now is because right-wing conservative people have decided they're going to take down the LGBTQ, the black community, the trans community, and they have the power to legislate and do it, whether their constituents want them to do it or not. I mean, is it Missouri that that now, you, I heard what you said earlier about this is affecting kids, but I think it's Missouri mm-hmm. that is proposing not just a ban on on children's trans care, but adult trans oh, care. Yeah. Uh, across, I, I, no, it is across the board in that state. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And it's yeah. life or death for, you know, this. Right. Person. Exactly. We're not only talking about their mental health, but their physical health as well. Right. Well, and it's so hypocritical because like I could go get a breast augmentation or a nose job or whatever. And why? To make me feel like more of a woman and no right. one would bat an eye. But yeah somebody else because you're not trans exactly yeah. i mean so it's yeah. it's just it's so blatant it's it's yeah. yeah yeah that's the thing about it it's so in our face it's they're not even i think i think when i was listening to lillian talk and of course i'm 61 so i've lived through a lot of this you know in the past it was even though it was there on the surface a lot of it was underneath the surface you didn't talk about this stuff in public the legislators just, you know, kept us down without a lot of conversation about it. Now right. it's completely in our face. They're saying right to our faces, mm-hmm. you are not worthy. We're going to take you down. We don't care about your health. We don't care about you. Yeah, exactly. And I hear what you're saying about the politician element. And I completely agree with that. The only count, not counter, but the only addition that I would make to that is the reason that the action means so much and the protesting and the, you know, uh, even getting arrested and the walkouts, all of that stuff creates the social element of a moral dilemma. 
And um, so, for example, on the day of the actions, you know, over 100 national, international and state local press from MSNBC all the way down to the local newspapers and, and news stations were covering those walkouts. And that puts it in people's living rooms. And so even if right. politicians are not saying what they need to be saying, it is showing a public outcry. And if you don't have that, then the only you know vacuum that you have is, as the rhetoric is someone who might be saying something politically. And that's the reason that having those bigger ac- actions that, that are the lunch counter moments that capture that media attention creates that dynamic that like a podcast or a, a news story or a, or a you know whatever that is going to create that TikTok sensation that's going to make people question well where do I stand on this issue number one and then they're going to be picking who they want to vote for number two and what's compelling for me is it's not only trans folks that are standing up against the anti-trans um, removal of health care it's parents like if you start watching the news it's moms and dads who are like, look, I didn't even know anything about trans issues, but my kid was about to kill themselves and I figured it out. Exactly. And those are the people that you have to get in front of the news cameras to counter the person that's saying that stop telling us what to do with our kids, because what about that person's kids and their personal freedom as a parent? And if you don't have the actions to create that rhetoric of, you know, why the action's happening, then it is just the politicians who sometimes are not really taking that moral stand. And, you know, in my opinion, it has reached a moment where just like Barack Obama was talking about the African African-American preacher, he went and did a major press conference about race. That's what Biden needs to be doing about the queer community and specifically trans. And if he and if he feels like that's not safe enough, then there's no denying that you can't, you know, hold a press conference to say that our youth are being bullied and we would stop a bully in a hallway if they were beating up a kid. And right now we have governors of states that are going after young people. That right there needs a a Biden press conference. For sure. I think two things I just want to say. Her point, Kalia's point about her going out and getting breast augmentation or, mm-hmm. or you know, a facelift or whatever, those are the kinds of things we need to put in people's faces. We need to compare. If, yes. they, if they'll do this to us, they are coming after you next. Yes. And the parents of the trans kids, that's an absolutely valid point to get them out there because we need to look historically at how allies have helped shape the civil rights in this country. We right. need our allies to step out and say, no, I'm not trans. I'm not part of this group, but this is wrong. And this is wrong. And what right. I think will I lead to that is we have to show the harm because when you show the harm and you, pl- you know, pull on the heartstrings and people, it becomes personal. And then if you're at the water cooler or whatever, and you're like, oh my God, did you see this thing? And somebody says, yeah, those poor kids, I feel so bad, yeah. you know, da, 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 da. Then it's like, oh, wait, I didn't even know that you felt that way. Or if they say the opposite, then there's like a, a moment of educational opportunity. But I think that showing the harm, I think people get motivated to protect people when they see it gets really bad. Like, let's talk about the, the kids in cages, right? Like stuff happened yeah. because it was yeah. so horrific. I don't want to wait until the 1930s Germany aspect, but like, you yeah. know, we need to start showing that this is really harmful so that people will say we have to stop this before it gets any worse. Exactly. And that's why ACT UP took body bags and did die-ins mm-hmm. in churches at the, you know, Capitol. And so- right. 
That and those things made a difference, you yeah. know, those very visceral things. When you put out the the quilt in the in the Washington Mall, that's an image yeah. that stays yeah. with people because it's so horrific. We, we covered our campus with um, hangers at one point during a, a thing that I was in college for the National Organization yeah. of Women. And it was the entire quad you couldn't walk through. And it got a t- it made a difference, you know, and it was it was. Yeah. So I think we have to do those kinds of things. We have to show the pain. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, Robin. Well, we really appreciate you being here. Do you want to tell us how people get involved with these actions, how they get involved on on your behalf? Yeah, so you go to walkouttolearn.org. Even if you don't live in the state of Florida, if you want to get updates, if you want to be connected to what's going on and kind of hear what they're doing, I definitely recommend just going in and signing the pledge. And, you know, also making sure that you are following the young people that were involved in the fight. And, you know, I will say also, there's a, a young person, Proud Twinkie on Insta that I love has done multiple occupies of the state capitol. And Will Larkin is uh, their name. And, you know, at the same time that those walkouts were happening, there were arrests in Tallahassee because people threw panties down on the uh, legislators at the state capitol. And on the panties, it said, protect trans lives. Um, It shouldn't matter what the genitalia is of these people. And then they started finding the legislators in town and they would go up to them while they were sitting at dinner and drop a pair of panties on their dinner table, you know, those types of actions will end up shaping because, you know, part of it is there's a sucker punch. And if the sucker punch is not answered back with action, then what's going to happen is they know they can get away with it and only get more aggressive on trying to, you know, figure out what they can do. So I hope that, you know, what we see is that people continue to take action and get involved. And let's not forget that DeSantis, the don't, I know it's not technically called the don't say gay bill, but that's how we all refer to it, expanded it to not just K through three, but now it's K through 12 in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why that action was planned on the, we knew that that Department of Education vote was going to happen that week. Um, And so the idea was there was, you know, a lot of right wing people saying, oh, you know, isn't it interesting? They weren't a three day weekend. It had nothing to do with it being on a Friday. It was more the fact that we knew that that decision was going to come back on a Thursday. And then on that Friday, you needed to have a response. Right. Right. And so all of that stuff matters. Thank you so much, Robin. I'm sure we will talk to you again (laughs) about other things. Again and again and again. (laughs) Thank you for all you do for the community as well. So that was Robin. And it was amazing to hear from her. I'm so glad that Fresno is represented and that she's able to go and do these things. And she's just, she's amazing. Robin's amazing. She is. She is. She's part of, she was part of Get Equal for those of you who don't know. And she was the the March on Washington. Mm-hmm. And then the whole meet in the middle thing. And yeah, just, right, just right. an amazing, huge. amazing yeah. advocate. One thing that I thought was really interesting. So obviously, you know, you know, behind the scenes magic here. We recorded that before today and we actually recorded it. And she talked about Biden uh, potentially, you know, obviously he was going to announce his candidacy. And the very next morning after that interview, it was all over the news that he had announced his candidacy. And so I was like, Robin! Yeah, so I think we should have a segment with Robin where she predicts the future from now on. Yes, Robin's crystal ball. <laughs> of course, we could record it after the predictions come right, true. And right, that right. would look really good. Yeah, oh my yeah. gosh, Robin, have your people call our people. We'll make yeah, you look real good. People, yeah. And what's that, another thing interesting is these students who walked out 
you know, it wasn't just a lot of times when people think, oh, students are walking out, they're just trying to get out of class. These students were doing it for educational reasons, too. They mm-hmm. were registering to vote mm-hmm. and they were looking into not just LGBTQ history, but black history and other uh, ethnicities history. So they were working. They weren't just walking out. Yeah, I think that that's really important because like she talked about in the interview, the big splashy things, the dropping the panties on people's plates and like doing all of these big activist things to get attention are very important. But I also think that a lot of times people just roll their eyes or like, oh, activists, they're blocking traffic. They're doing this. They're doing that. Right, right. And I love the fact that these students were like, we're not just going to leave and then go stand somewhere. We are are doing the next step. We're registering to vote. We're proving that we've registered to vote to our legislative officials. And we are seeking out our own education. You're not going to educate us. We will educate ourselves exactly. because it matters. I just love that so much. Yeah. And I think we've had the conversation over the years about, you know, youth and the youth vote. And mm-hmm. I've been a, one to adamantly say over and over, kids don't vote. And historically, that's true. But it's changed recently. And Mm -hmm. kids are coming out to vote. Um, And when I say kids, I mean, you know, 18 to 25 year olds are coming out to vote. And they really are doing that now. And now, especially with the issues that are coming up in the next election, which are abortion rights and equality rights and all these other things that kids are really interested in. And I keep saying kids because I'm so, you know, old. But yeah, you know, I said it before you did. So it doesn't count. You said it. Um, (laughs) Okay, buy me a Coke. And so these kids, you know, they are coming out to vote. So it is changing. Historically, kids have not voted, but it's starting to change. Yeah, no. And I think that it's because these are social issues that are affecting them. And they're really seeing how they how they matter, because it's hard to get excited about the tax code when you're 22 and you're barely making any money to pay taxes anyways, right? It's hard to think about the retirement age in being 62, 65, 60, whatever it's going to be. And they argue back and forth or to talk about Medicare when you're in your 20s, because it seems like it's so far away. It's not as relevant. But when there are things like, you know, trans people, my friends, my loved ones are being basically systematically erased from the world, uh, or they're telling us what we can and can't read and what we can and can't do and who we can and can't love, then I think it really starts to make a difference to kids. And and like I said in the interview, when the harm is personal, then it's more felt and then change happens. So. Right, exactly. And I will say that, you know, Florida, which is, I want to say the gift that keeps on giving, but it's the opposite of the (laughs) gift that keeps on giving. They keep passing anti-LGBTQ, anti-women, anti-youth, anti-education, anti-everything. The latest is they passed a bill enabling businesses to sue local governments to halt arbitrary, this is in quotes, arbitrary or unreasonable ordinances. What they're aiming for is that they want businesses to be able to not participate in the business world, which means you have to be equal to everyone and serve everyone equally. They want businesses to be able to opt out based on religious reasons to serve the LGBTQ community. And also DeSantis, this idiot that's running Florida, has instituted a, it's not called, the bill, the actual bill is not called Don't Say Gay, but we all know that it's called that because that's how we are familiar with it. It used to be K through three, and now it's K through 12. So he doesn't want people to talk about sexuality, gender, or or sexual orientation all the way through 12th grade. And we all know when kids go through puberty and they are curious about these things, he doesn't even want them to do that. And that is causing it to spread throughout the country. Florida is a very, very dangerous place right now. And we need to pay attention because as much as we feel safe in California, 
as we've seen recently with the abortion laws, mefepristine, which may affect California if it becomes a federal law. So this is drifting into our territory, people. We can't any longer look at it as just, oh, that's a Florida, that's a Texas, that's a Tennessee. It could affect us directly. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, I'm ready to talk about something a little bit lighter, I hope. I don't know what you picked, but I picked something lighter and fun for my part of this next segment. Mine's light, too. Okay, so, okay, yeah. good. So the book that I picked for to tell you all to go out and read is called Lies We Sing to the Sea, and it is by Sarah Underwood. And, okay, so first of all, I have to tell you that if you read Circe or if you read The Song of Achilles, you will like this book. It's basically kind of a almost a retelling of some ancient Greek mythology with a sapphic, you know, lady-on-lady lady love story and some cool feminism thrown in there for good measure. And of course, there's some magic and it's it's really, really good. And if you are familiar with Greek mythology and you remember your Odysseus, you know, and the and Penelope and her 12 maids that were hung and Ithaca and all of those things. Great. But if you don't, that's fine. The book will explain what you need to know when you need to know it. But the basic premise is that on this island, because of a thing that the, the god Poseidon has decided, every year 12 girls have to be killed. That's just like the thing. Otherwise, Poseidon's going to, you know, destroy the whole island. So one of the girls who is killed, uh, she thinks she's about to die. She dies. And then she wakes up and she's on an island somewhere else. And it turns out that there is a way to break this curse and stop it from happening again. She has to go back to the island and kill the prince. So we got a little bit of assassin we've got a little bit of like i said some women on women love story happening we've got some magic we've got some retelling of greek mythology and, it's and you just... keep coming back to that women on women love story i'm curious <laughs> why you keep coming back i know to it's that. weird just... right that i'm drawn to that i don't know <laughs> imagine but, that um but it's really really good and it's very well written and i i really really liked it so is this a book that's a retelling or an interpretation of Greek mythology? Yeah, kind of, because, you know, there is the, the Greek myth of Odysseus coming back and his long-suffering wife, Penelope, you know, she was waiting for him for 10 years and she had all these suitors. And so part of the myth is that she told them that she wouldn't pick one to marry until after she'd finished doing this big weaving tapestry thing. So she would weave every day and then at night they would all undo all of her weaving so that she could put off having to pick a, a suitor, et cetera, et cetera. And these men who were like in her house trying to marry her, they basically were raping her women and all of these things and doing awful things. And then when Odysseus came back, because, you know, <clears throat> the patriarchy, he killed all the women who had been raped as if like they because they were spoiled and soiled. They were spoiled. Exactly. All of that I stuff. Say, spoiled, so right? I love the fact that this book takes this is years and years later, a couple generations, you know, down the road. And the women are like, that's fucked up. It's not OK. And we're going to fix this. And so then they do. And that's really, really nice. And I. I appreciate I that. I forgot for so. a second that we're on the episode where we can say fucked up. We so are. <laughs> now, would you put this in the same, and I haven't read it, but would you put this in the same vein as when they do these Victorian, they retell these Victorian novels and put zombies into it? No, 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 I wouldn't. Because, I know there's not zombies, but. Right, those are very silly, and I feel like they're um, changing the genre. This whole greek retelling thing is its own genre um the, the the ladies of troy i'm not saying it right uh the daughters of troy maybe like i said circe these are beautiful retellings of greek myths and 
That's that's definitely an in vogue genre right now. The Half Sick of Shadows is one that I read a couple years ago, and it's retelling of the Arthurian legend, but from the point of view of the Lady of Shalott. So there's a lot of this historical retelling, but with a more feminist view. And a lot of them have sapphic love, which is, you know, again, again we're back to the sapphic love. That's three times. I'm, I'm just, just saying. saying, like, that's what it's going <laughs> to be. Good in these... for you, girl. Good so, for you. Anyways, it's great that these books are out there. And I really enjoyed this book. So once again, the book is called Lies We Sing to the Sea. And it is written by, it was written by Sarah Underwood. And I highly recommend it. And you can get it on Amazon, people. Yes, you can. Okay, your turn. What should we be watching when you're not reading the book that I told everybody we should read? Okay. So, you know, we, we've done in the past movies and books, but I don't want to concentrate on movies all the time because there's so much streaming out there. So I want to concentrate on just what you might watch other than movies, not just because there's a lot of crappy movies out there, which there are, and it's hard to find a good one, but <laughs> because I do watch a lot of streaming and a lot of different things, I would like to highly recommend a comedy special called Alex Bornstein Corsets and Clown Suits. Alex Bornstein, for those of you who don't know, was on Mad TV. She's Mrs. Swan. If you want to do the Dancing Queen skit, and Kalia doesn't know what I'm talking about, nope. the gay men <laughs> out there will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> The, the old gay men or all the gay men? Uh, oh, you just brought me down to earth with that one, didn't you? <laughs> you okay. said what? Mad well, TV? Is that? Mad TV. It's a, it's, a, it's a, it, the other version of SNL. When SNL oh. came out, Mad TV was on Fox and, and SNL was on NBC. Okay. But Alex Bornstein is a great comedian, but he doesn't, you, you don't have to know her. Okay. It's a great comedy special and she has two musicians on the stage with her and they there there are songs and there is comedy. She touches on most of it is women's issues very very, you know, on target with the women's issues that are going on right now with abortion and, you know, equal rights and all that. She touches on transgender issues, she touches on a lot of LGBTQ stuff, and I will just say to you all that it's a very graphic comedy special than the language and subject matter, but it's funny as hell. And it's also not just a comedy special. It's much more like a, I don't know if any of you watched Sandra Bernhardt in the day where she did comedy and she did music. And so it's, it, it, but I mean, she tells stories and she does comedy and they do music and it's great. I can't recommend it enough. And it's on Amazon Prime. The other show I'd like to recommend, and this is not like as, I don't recommend it as highly as I do the comedy special I just talked about, but it's called Jury Duty. And it's on Amazon Prime through Freevee, F-R-E-E-V-E-E, -E -E, which is a, a sub-level of Amazon Prime where you can watch it, but you get commercials. But it's free and you can watch it. And there's eight episodes. This is, and I'm not a reality show person, but this is technically a reality show. It follows a group of jurors during a trial, which is a fake trial. James Marsden, who is in X-Men as Cyclops, is the celebrity in the show. But everybody else in the show, all the jurors, the judge, the bailiff, everybody else are actors, except for one lone guy. Oh, I heard who, about this. <laughs> yeah. And he, and you know what's interesting about this is that he is the he has the biggest heart. And he, throughout the eight episodes, he never you know, degrades anybody or talks down to anybody. He's always uh, lifting people up and they get all the way through and then they tell him this was all fake. So, you know, it's a really interesting show and uh, I highly recommend that one as well. I'm really glad that they picked a nice guy. Could you imagine if they'd picked somebody and then they ended up being a jerk or 
Yeah, and you know the the last episode that you they show the production team and they over and over say, "I can't believe he did that! I can't believe he did that!" They're so happy that he was such a good guy. That is right. Although, if they did film a whole show where the person was an asshat, and then at the end, or the person was like, "I don't give you permission," <laughs> then we would never know. This could yeah, be the seventeenth exactly. time they've done it, Chris. You don't know, right? Exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Anyways. Well, cool. Okay, so people have stuff to watch and something to read, and and that's pretty awesome. I think that we are ready to wrap this show and just give you a little tidbit about what is coming in two weeks on our next show. So on our next show, we're going to talk to Brian Caldwell, who's with Fresno Rainbow Pride, because Rainbow Pride is coming up. June 3rd is next Fresno Rainbow Pride, so Brian's going to be on the show. We're going to have Katie on the show, too, and they are one of the Grand Marshals for the Fresno Pride Parade, so we're going to talk to them as well. And then we'll probably talk about some more things that are going on in the news with our regular segment that we do on on the second episode of the month where we do our You Suck and you rock and we would you rock yeah we would love it if you want to nominate a state a governor an activist you know whoever you want your someone in your personal life a you suck and you rock nominations you can send those to it's a queer thang t-h-a-n-g at gmail.com and um if we agree with you we might read it on the radio and just so you all know uh in the month of june which is pride month which is right around the corner we are going to be doing more episodes than we normally do. We're, we're up to two episodes a month now. I would guess we're going to do four or more episodes in June. And one of them is going to be with Peter Robertson, an interview we did with him. And another one is also going to be with Kathy from Cruising in the Castro, who I was fortunate enough to do a uh, cruise, a tour, a cruise, a cruise a tour <laughs> through the cast. Yeah, well, uh, well, Peter was there. Was it was we were kind of cruising, but I did a tour of the Castro with Dr. Peter and Dr. Catherine Fobert with several Fresno State students uh, through the Castro district. So we had a good interview with her. So we're going to be highlighting that as well. Yep, and more to come as and as as the month progresses for sure. So absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We're so glad. And if you like this show, that's great. Please give us stars. And if you really, really like the show, that's even better. You can tell a friend to listen. You can write a little review thing anywhere you want to do that. And please reach out and with your questions or comments or suggestions, nominations to it's a queer thing, T-H-A-N-G at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram and on Facebook. And TikTok. And on TikTok. Or knock-knock, as yeah. I like to call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the knock-knock, as Chris said. The knock-knock, yeah. Indeed. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We will see you in a couple of weeks. God damn, I'm the only one without a background. Fuck this shit. I swear to God. Anyways. Let's keep um, it real. Chris is keeping it real. That's all I'm saying. Nobody else is. But Chris, Chris you're over there. No filter. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Is that the sign for no filter? That's the, no, no filter. that's the hashtag sign. Oh, old. What, oh, oh, no filter. Hashtag no filter. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>